All right, welcome in. We are live for the first time ever. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, we've been trying to go live for the last 30 minutes uh, and made some really dumbass uh, mistakes in not knowing how StreamYard works. Uh, but we now know how StreamYard works. Uh, we're definitely excited uh, to be partnering with Going the Distance. Um, if you don't know us, uh, I am Noah Parker, uh, and my co-host is sitting with me, Jack Wallace. Uh, we are not across the country uh, from each other, but you could almost say that we're across the country from each other. Jack is in Syracuse, New York, repping the Orange I am in Nashville, Tennessee, repping David Bowie today, uh, and we, uh, we're really excited to start bringing you all the Blanket Coverage podcast. We're going to um, have some updated, uh, updated branding uh, for ourselves as we go along, but today is the college football preview, and we these are always our biggest episodes uh two years running this has been our biggest episode either this or the nfl preview which college will be basketball next too week. that one's always a big one and nba those are the big four if i, if I like to call it those are the big yeah four. well well we don't do previews for anything else and previews are um our biggest uh our biggest um our biggest episodes uh we're excited we're going to be bringing you some gambling content i'm going to have a few uh few little gambling nuggets to throw in here and there. But without further ado, let's get started. Jack, where do you want to take us first in the college football preview? Well, the first thing we're going to look at, and mind you, we're going to be doing this a little bit like last season's. If you haven't seen that, we still have uh, at Blanket Coverage. There's all sorts of things we have. We'll have blurbs up at, um, at periodic points throughout the podcast that you all can check out. And they will be down there. The current ones, as you can see on your screen, they're GTD Sports um, with all the ones on their own social media accounts. Those will be things that we'll be looking at and putting on content as well. But there are some a lot of old archive stuff on like coverage uh, from there. But one of the ones we did back in 2020 was talking about the impact of COVID-19, which, as all of you are very fully aware, is not over yet. And so there are some still pretty solid changes going on in the college football world. Now, mind you, it's way less than last year. As of now, we are still planning on doing full 12 season schedules for every conference. So we're not having the whole debacle of big 10 pack 12 waiting. We're still looking to have all that in a row. Um, the big 10 did announce though, that any and all games that are called off to COVID cases will not be rescheduled. So we're starting to see some of that. I think the pack 12 may have confirmed that. I don't know, but some leagues are starting to, get on that train of saying at this point, if you're not vaccinated up, if you're not masking, if you're not doing whatever that's preventing cases, or even if you're just preventing cases in general, no matter what you're doing, we're not going to give you that benefit of the doubt anymore. So rescheduling games seems to be something off, which is a new take on it and an interesting one. And we'll see what happens with a lot of teams coming forward. Obviously a lot of these schools are private universities and don't need to release any information. We've seen a lot with professional leagues releasing stuff. Um, I know we'll mention this in the NFL preview again, but my Atlanta Falcons are the first team. And I still think the only so far with a hundred percent vaccination rate. And that'll, uh, we would hope to slow down spreads within teams. But so far on that end, it looks like that's where COVID's going to stand. Most teams, I know TCU included, of course, alma mater, uh, will be opening up their stands 100% for the fans coming up in only a couple days. So 
Uh, looks like they're starting to do that. A lot of schools around the country did that last week in week zero, but it's looking to be an exciting year. And shout out to the most unlikely team to be 100% vaccinated, the Ole Miss Rebels. That is true. I didn't see that. 100% <laughs> vaccinated. I saw a very funny tweet. I, I wish I could I wish I could find uh, the tweet right now, but I saw a very funny tweet that said uh, how many tutors got vaccines for the players. I have probably a shocking amount, but <laughs> probably way, too many. Way oh, too man. many. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about a couple of changes going on. Uh, again, this whole section, I guess, is about changes we're doing. Uh, stadiums. We had a bunch last season, which ended up being not very exciting because many of them didn't have any fans. This year, only one. Uh, Birmingham, if, uh, UAB, which actually is playing right now um, against Jacksonville State. They get a new stadium, which is only meaningful because Legion Field, the very famous long, long, long standing field in Birmingham, was, and decades and decades and decades, was uh, one of the original sites of the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama, and uh, is now no longer UAB's field after all this time. They have a new field called Protective Field, uh, sponsored by Protective, and it is a really cool looking stadium, actually. So shout out to UAB for getting a nice new stadium um, and finally getting out of Legion Field. In terms of coaching changes, there actually were a lot of them, so I only put down some of the ones I think are going to be kind of the big ones here. Biggest one, I think, by far, and I think is not a shocking take, Steve Sarkeesian from Alabama on to UT. Obviously did a little bit in the NFL, too, with the Falcons, which we don't want to talk about, and then we now is back to UT. Big splash in the Big 12. Uh, Next up on here, we're just going to go down the list, and then I'll I'll get the takes on. Um, Next up is Brian Harson going from Boise State, where he accomplished a lot, as you can see, Boise State over the last decade and a half, uh, going to be the new head coach at Auburn. And then Gus Malzahn, who, leaving Auburn, is now on to UCF, which is an interesting downgrade, upgrade. Uh, and then I Brett love Lima. It. I, I, I would say I would say in a way to after the it. whole Peach Bowl thing, I'd say it's an upgrade. Um, and then Brett Belima, which went from Arkansas and Bielema. I wrote slash unemployed. But, but, what Bielema, Brett Bielema. Does does he does he done anything worth even accomplishing a name pronunciation right? Because now he's at Illinois, and he went from unemployed to Illinois. Hey, so, he beat Nebraska. They beat the doors off of Nebraska. That's not an accomplishment, and you know it. But it, yeah, I know. Did you see the <laughs> side note? Did you see the opening? We're gonna we're gonna just hmm. get our Nebraska hate out of the way right now. Uh, because because it came it's up. It's almost pity it, at this point. It yeah, I wouldn't even call it hate. It's more just like we're it's laughing pity. at you. We're I just mean, laughing. N- at and you not to bring it, not not to not to put a shot on, but I've felt a little bit like that with Tennessee the last while too, because they're both the big time '90s programs that have just. I felt like that with Tennessee 90s. too. Hey, I I live you here. Live it. <laughs> a little bit i feel I mean, that it's, with it's... tennessee too no no did you see scott frost and scott frost was supposed to be the nebraska golden boy right he's supposed oh, to be the guy the there he said after we saw the light the way that they lined up on defense it took about half of our game plan out what was your game plan how you bad was your game plan this is you game had the one. whole off season this is game, game one, one. <laughs> Also, how is ha- how is half of your game plan or most of your game plan dependent on how the other team winds up? I I I realize that that is important, but what team coached by Brett Bielema in the state of Illinois 
is going to throw you for a loop that bad as supposedly an offensive guru head coach uh, that your game plan just gets completely thrown out the window when they come out in, I guess, and I didn't read too much into the quote, but I guess they came out in an even front or an odd front when Nebraska was expecting the other. And look, you've got a game plan for both because teams can do anything. I mean, I watched a documentary, uh, The Two Bills, last night about Belichick and um, and Bill Parcells. And, I mean, Bill Belichick was talking about how they had to shift tendencies all the time. So you've got to be prepared in the chess match as a head coach to be able to shift tendencies like that on the fly. When another team shifts their tendency, you've got to be able to react and respond. And clearly this Nebraska coaching staff wasn't ready for that. And that's kind of a cornerstone of coaching at a high level in football. Especially for a head coach that we know can do really well with teams that aren't exactly with a million degrees of talent. And yes, yes, I know that 2021 Nebraska is not a team filled to the brim with talent, but you still should be doing a lot better. I mean, look at what he accomplished at UCF. He made them into a national champion, which yes, I'm still going to agree with that, but he made them all the way from them to then doing what at Nebraska, absolutely nothing. And it's just, it's sort of sad. And next couple of guys, uh, Shane Beamer, if you recognize the last name, that means that, you know, at least a little bit about college football, uh, son of legendary Frank Beamer uh, with Beamer ball at Virginia tech. He was a tight end guy at UGA and OU for some time. And uh, now he's off to USC. I have a note on this. Did you see that graduate assistant coach Zeb Noland will start yep. week one for the Gamecocks. <laughs> and yes, USC was in reference to South Carolina. I didn't specify that, but yes. Uh, yeah. The same team. It's uh, it's interesting. That's bad. <laughs> that's that's game not, bad. that's not good, Jack. That's like really not good. And Zeb is Nolan, like two will he transferred, I mean... he transferred away from South Carolina, then went to North Dakota state where he got beat out. By his backup in, at North Dakota State last year in the absence of Trey Lance. It's pretty tough. Like, North Dakota State fans were calling for this guy's head. And now he goes to Columbia, South Carolina? Oh, that is... This is such a disaster. And the this... I mean, I'm not saying that Shane Beamer can't do it in Columbia, Right. What I am saying is that I really think this could be a Matt Rule situation where you've just got to have a purge year. Well, just have a purge a year. It's a year, year. zero. It's, it's a, a year, year zero. zero. It's a purge year. Yes. I would not be surprised if this team wins like one game. If they're the worst team in the SEC, that is not uh, going to shock me whatsoever. Maybe not. Now, if we, we're going to have to look at their one. schedule. I have not taken a that's, look at their yeah. schedule. That's why That's why I say pump the brakes a but little bit. But I'm pretty bit sure their because... over-under is like three or like two and a half. This team is not going to be good. No, but their first game of the year is hosting Eastern Illinois. And so it's like, I mean, competitive at game East Carolina, for the game at Georgia. Then it's Kentucky, Troy, at Tennessee, Vanderbilt, at A&M, Florida, at Missouri, Auburn, Clemson. Look, so Steven Garcia, Steven Garcia and Marshawn Lattimore aren't walking out of the locker room anymore. I st- I'll never you get You got Ze- graduate either, but... assistant coach Zeb Nolan at quarterback. Let's move on. 
Let's move on. We could talk. For, I think they could get two or three. I think they could get two or three out of that. But you still have Vanderbilt. We could talk for years about I don't know. bad teams. I think Vandy is going to be better than South Carolina. I really like what Clark Lee is doing. That's fair, though. He kind of has had his year zero already. If you want, He hired like, Barton yeah, Simmons, he, he, recruiting yes. expert, as a GM of the team, basically to handle recruiting as a recruiting coordinator. I don't know and, why more teams in college football don't do this. And a great transition you made there, too, because Clark Lee went from Vanderbilt um, – or went from, sorry, Notre Dame over to Vanderbilt. He was the last guy I had on here because he wasn't a head coach. But I do think that's a pretty significant move, getting a guy from Notre Dame who did very well for the Fighting Irish – now off to the Commodores uh, down in Tennessee in Nashville too. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty uh, – I think there's some significant moves. I mean, obviously we haven't seen a decent Vanderbilt team since the early James Franklin days, which, oh, oh, how I miss those. But uh, those were some yeah. wonderful times, seeing Vanderbilt when actually ben, be yeah, like a good yeah. team. Like a when good – had really their good. first nine-win season since <laughs> the World War II. And they were good. They were legitimately competitive. So, so like when I was Georgia in high school – when I was in high school, we actually used to go over and practice at Vanderbilt Stadium every now and then. We actually played in it a couple times uh, versus Knox Catholic, which uh, had Amari Rogers uh, and Cade Mays, um, among some other guys. Um, I, I quickly noticed, my first thing I noticed about Vanderbilt Stadium is that not they don't just have the Bulls that they've won. The, they haven't yeah. won any championships. I've been, I've so been before, so I know, but... They don't just have the bowls that they've won. They have every bowl that they've ever been to in the stadium. And it's not a big stadium. And it's not a big stadium. And there aren't a lot of them. No. We'll it's have to tough. see with Clark Lee uh, out of Vanderbilt. But ju- just, just out of curiosity <laughs> they before came we here move to play on, school. <laughs> just out of curiosity before we move on and uh, cover some more meat and potatoes stuff, uh, who do you think is going to have the best year out of any first-year head coach? And I have my answer. With the talent that these guys can have, I it's kind of tough for me because I think you can automatically get Beamer off the board because, again, it's it's you have such an early year. I don't trust Sarkeesian, oh, and we'll get to this later because I have previews. Yeah, for the I'm in the same boat. I don't trust him there because Iowa State is reaching the crest of their – I don't even want to say comebacks. I've never really been here, so their ascension. And then OU, I think that's one of the best OU teams seen in a while, which we'll get to that later again. And then, again, Harson. I like the move. I think he's good, but there's just so much talent in the SEC West. They're not going to do anything, and I don't really think that's Harson's fault, though. I just think it's the fact that, like, you're not going to be better than AM. You're not going to be better than Bama. You may or probably won't be better than LSU. I mean, there are a lot of it's that's hard. So maybe it's Malzon. It I is mean, Malzon. I think, I think USC that's can get the there. That's or USC, UCF. Sorry. I think you, I, I think that UCF could end up being one of the better, maybe not the best out of all these teams we've mentioned here, and, but and, they could be one of the best. And in the American, we're going to talk about it. It's kind of a toss up aside from Cincinnati because you've got Cincinnati returning like 93% of their They're going to be elite. on offense. They're going to be really good again. But other than that, it's kind of up for grabs. And I believe in Gus Malzahn. I think he's inconsistent. I think he takes years on, years off. But I am a believer. <laughs> In Gus Malzahn and I, what what the Cover Three podcast on CBS deemed the putt putt offense because they just kind of putt putt down the field, but it works. It works. 
Uh, Auburn's eternally eight and fourteen, and if you're going eight and four in the SEC, Auburn's offense, Auburn's offense was so it was like the pinnacle of modernity um, in in the you know early 2010s when they were going to national championships um, and and SEC championships and competing. Uh, But Gus Malzahn, let's not forget, has probably and I don't have this uh, up right now, but he has I think beaten. Saban more than any other coach currently coaching. I think that is true. Yeah. I think that would be true. So if UCF wants Bama, they got their guy for it, is all I'm going to say. And we're going to leave it at that because, oh boy, we could get into that. So, Jack, we got yeah. some new guys on campus. Who are the freshmen that you want to watch this year? So I got five guys up on my board here. And again, this is also, I put in top freshmen to watch and watch is a very loose term because some of these people here may not actually end up getting much playing time this year, but are more names that you would want to keep track of um, in the news. Cause these are going to be people that I think will either get significant playing time this season or next. Cause some of these guys may be pushed to next season. Some may be, we don't know yet, but these are going to be names that I think will be much bigger talking points over the next few months. First one is a name that if you're following college football, you already know pretty well. Quinn Ewers, Ohio State quarterback, got moved from the 2022 class into the 2021 class, wanted to enroll early at Ohio State to reap those NIL benefits, and is already doing pretty well. So he actually is the number one player across the board. Pretty really likely to hold the job next season. Uh, CJ Strout already will have the starting job for Ohio State. That's been confirmed. So he's going to start the year at least, but I think Quinn could get some playing time down the stretch. This guy's really, really solid. Even if he doesn't end up getting much, we know the red shirt rules mean that you still can play a little bit. So maybe he does that um, though. I don't know how likely that is, but again, considering benefits from NIL, maybe red shirts go up, which is actually, I think an interesting thing we can look at this season is how is red shirting going to get affected by NIL stuff because you're still there in college doing what you can, but you can get another year to play. So I'd love to see the, the rates on that. Uh, next up, USC Edge, uh, Corey Foreman. Oh, boy. This guy is nuts. And, again, all these people, go watch their tape. Go watch their highlights. I went through highlights with all these people. It has been really fun. But Corey is crazy, right? Number two overall national um, national any player. He is the best edge rusher and the best player from California in his class. He is an absolute monster on the edge here. But he's going to have to get loose to some of the bigger sizes from college. But it is absolutely nuts to just see how fast that he can shred any kind of block. It's it's well, we're been not very talking impressive. that big. He's in the Pac-12. That's true too. He'll do well on that end. This but will be this podcast. Look, we're not going to be objective here. This podcast will have slander of all sorts, of all sorts, in all conferences. But the Pac-12 being the number one slander uh, slander laden conference here. He's got very quick feet too, especially for his size. So watch out for that. Uh, Jojo Earl, or Earl, it's kind of, it's E-A-R-L-E. Um, I'll just go Jojo. Uh, he is a very, very, very solid wide receiver. Flip from LSU to Alabama. Very, very, very fast. Plays almost like a quick running back in situations. I've seen a lot of dump offs, a lot of screens to him. Um, could watch out for him for a potential breakout season. We know Alabama is the constant wide receiver factory, and you can just add his name in the list there too. He is five nine and a half, five foot nine and a half. Um, so he's a little shorter on the end. He's number six wide receiver, number forty seven nationally. But I just thought his tape looked really, really nice. I think he could be a big time guy this season. 
Um, next up, Travion Henderson, Ohio State running back. Now, this guy may not get as much playing time this season simply because Ohio State's running back room is, I mean, unheard of good. Ohio State's offense like, is stacked this year. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, the whole offense is crazy, but the running back room is something I think is almost underrated because we know that Chris Olave and we have Stroud and you were, and all these big, big guys on that end, but the running back position is, is almost underrated, which sounds difficult to imagine with how good it is. But Henderson is the number one running back recruit in 2021. He's a very agile running back, quick cuts, jukes, and hurdles. Quick feet, excellent vision, and I love his speed. So he's a guy that's going to be your quick back in the backfield, your elusive back, to use your Madden term. And I think that he can be a great asset to this Ohio State team that's going to need a lot of quick guys on it. And the last guy, keeping it in the Big Ten, Kalen King, Penn State, a cornerback. So getting a secondary guy in here. Um, may not start right away, though. The Penn State defense is going to be very elite this season, but he has a great size and very good athleticism. So I really like King. A lot of stuff from him has been very solid. Penn State getting some really solid recruits over the last while. So uh, looking forward to seeing more of that. Absolutely. Well, let's get to uh, some award watch list type of stuff. Um, and, and I think we should just pick a winner. I think we should just go ahead and make a prediction. Um, keep in mind, I don't want to make a prediction for the Heisman, however, because the Heisman winner the last like five years has been like towards the bottom of the list on odds. So you can, I think you could feel pretty comfortable that like none of these guys are going to win the Heisman. They might be in there, but I don't like any of these guys to win the Heisman. Uh, quite honestly, I don't see it with Spencer Rattler. That's for sure. I, I really, I, I just, I don't like his, his, um, I don't like his persona. I don't like the way he carries himself. Um, I think he plays turnover prone. Uh, and we'll see if, you know, Lincoln Riley can develop him in this offense. But I don't know why everyone's so high on Spencer Rattler as the number one pick. I know or, uh, as the uh, Heisman winner, I know he came along, along strong last year, but I, I don't see it. I don't see it with Rattler. So who are some other guys uh, that we could uh, see in New York winning the Heisman this year? I think the ACC is going to be a big, big, big conference to watch this season for a lot of reasons. And I think, and this is, this has a point I'm getting back to it, but one of the biggest Whoa, parts of it that's is. That's a hot take. No, no, but I think it will. And the reason why is because Sam Howell and Derek King are two of the biggest. If you want to talk about like what conference has like the top two out of like the top five, 10 kind of quarterbacks that are going to be in this list. I think those two are going to be top two going around there. And I think what so. What has Derek King done on a football field to make you think that? I think he can get there. I think this Miami team has potential to win the Coastal because, again, the Coastal isn't that good this season. We're betting on the UNC. Are you betting on the sixth straight year of De'Eric King being being the best year of De'Eric King? I'm not. I, I never said that. I, I never said that he's not going to get there. But I don't know. I I just I think that it's possible for that to happen. I just again I'm betting more on Sam Howell anyway. I'm not yeah. on the Miami side here. But I'm saying that I think he can step it up and be a very solid quarterback for this team. Also, Brees Hall, if you want to have like a crazy, crazy dark horse pick, I think him at, at Iowa State at running back has the potential to go off. I think he I could think be one of the 
I think I think he may be the best running back in the country season. He's my pick to win the Doak Walker Award. Um, I know Isaiah Spiller and Muhammad Ibrahim for Minnesota, um, Spiller for Texas A&M. I think those are two really really good backs too. Um, so yeah, not actually not looking at the ACC because I know the ACC had um, a couple of studs at North Carolina with running back last year, but I think that it's um, going to be more outside of that. So sorry to skip ahead on that end, but. Um, I think I think Brees Hall could be one of those dark horse picks, but um, I still think it'd be more likely to be like a Rattler or Sam Howell. It's just going to be dependent on team because if Oklahoma ends up being as good as I think they are, then Rattler's going to be a lot higher on that list. Same thing with UNC; they got to close out, they got to win big, and then I think Howell has it way better for them. It's, I mean, as you've seen it, you've seen it too. It cuts kind of how it works, where you have to have that team level being that elite and that good. You don't have to win the national title, win the Heisman, of course, but you do have to get up in a contender level team. And I do think that a lot of these teams are kind of dependent on that where, yeah, UNC is in prime position to do it, but can they actually do it? We don't know yet. Unlike no, Clemson I, and Trevor Lawrence last year that, yeah, you were kind of shoehorned to do it. I, I agree with that. I, I, I just think I'm so out on Derek King. I'm so out on the Miami Hurricanes. It happens year after year after year. We talk about, oh, well, Miami, could they be back? Is the U back? And then they bring out the turnover chain for like the first three games, and then they completely blow the rest of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it it's usually goes pretty poorly for Miami them. Miami is um, never back, is what I'm trying to say. They're never they're never gonna be back. The you will never be back. I'm saying it right now. I, that's too that's too hot of a take. I won't take that. I will not. I will not be taking that bet. But I do think that Miami is. I mean, and I think it's because it goes without saying. I mean, it's very obvious Miami is usually overrated. But can Miami finish with a pretty decent? Like, will I will Miami finish as a top five ACC team this year? Yes, I think they will. I'll make that take. I, I think cool. Miami will finish as top. And now I know ACC is bad. I know. I know. I know. I know it's a terrible conference, but they will be one of the better teams in it regardless. Because I think Clemson is going to be the obvious contender. North Carolina is going to be a solid team. And I think Miami can come in after them. I think right, they we're, should. We're, we're, we're going to argue about this like way more in like two minutes. Um, let's go ahead and just run oh, through some of these award watch lists. I'm just going to run through them as you had them. Uh, for the Nagurski Award, which is the best defensive player, we got Derek Stingley Jr., and Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I love both of these picks. I think both of these guys are studs. They're both probably going to be top 10 picks, if not top five picks in the next draft. Um, I think you're absolutely correct here, and those are both great picks. Uh, For the Doak Walker Award, this is going to be an interesting one. I think Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller are kind of your clear favorites. Um, But... You never really know uh, when it comes to running backs. You could really have a guy just break out out of nowhere. Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota uh, is a little bit more of a dark horse guy that you threw in here. Um, he and is. then for the for the Bolitnikov, I mean, you could have both wide receivers, uh, Noah Brown and Chris Olave on here from Ohio State. Chris Olave is the favorite. Justin Ross um, is is returning from an injury last year. Uh, yeah, again, he, very dependent on that. Yeah, very dependent on how it is. He is a veteran uh, on that team. And, I mean, Clemson's just loaded this year. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then we had Quentin Johnson on here. And I think that's a good pick. I really do. I, I, I had think it, again. he's such a stud. He's 6'4". Yeah. When's the last time we had a really elite big receiver? 
I mean, you could talk about John Diars, but I don't think John Diars was necessarily elite as much as he had some great plays, uh, like like that catch against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. But, I mean, the when's Baylor the last catch. time? Don't forget the Baylor end zone catch. Probably the, the best Baylor one he's ever had. Catch. Yes, you're I right. I know you don't want to remember the game, but I got I to gotta shout out the moment. The moment was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a college football game. So, and look, look it up, but, but don't look but up the whole Quentin game. Johnston, Quentin Johnston is the truth, uh, and, and I am all aboard with him being on our Bolitnikoff award watch list. We didn't really talk about coach of the year, but I'm going to throw out Jimbo Fisher as a possible coach of the year, and we'll get to why. We'll get to why. I don't want to put everything – I don't want to front load this podcast too much, um, but I think Jimbo Fisher could have a big year. Mac Brown – um, is another one. Two old grizzly veterans um, of the coaching game uh, that could end up having some really interesting seasons. And I'm going to throw Gus Malzahn in there too, just for the hell of it, because I love Gus Malzahn. Um, but let's talk about the team in which your favorite college football team, or the, the team, the conference in which your favorite college football team resides, of course, I'm talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference, which without without Clemson, I think last year might have made a case, maybe not last year, but the year before, before North Carolina was at least decent, had a case for the worst conference uh, top to bottom, or at least two, two through the last team. Because um, again, Clemson, uh, kind of redeems the ACC. But Clemson, would you agree, has the easiest path by far to a playoff berth this year? Yeah, and I don't really think that's very debatable, to be honest. I think they have it pretty much solidly. Um, they don't play and- Miami or North Carolina during the regular season. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get the Georgia games a little bit of an offset, but obviously it's out of conference. But um, one note to have about this before we go through it, but all of these previews we're doing, we used to do it on – Every team, everything ever, which that got a little lengthy. So this year, what we're going to do instead is we're going to have the previews based on th- teams that I think could be biggest risers, and then teams that could be biggest fallers. Some of these may have two, some may have three, but it's never. And more I'm going to throw that. in some wild cards. True too, but the big two guys, the big teams, we've either kind of already talked about, or we're going to talk about more. So it seems like the Clemson team, a lot of the playoff level teams, we're going to get to those more later. So these are more about the smaller schools. That I mean, some of them aren't necessarily small, but the, not as giant of the schools in terms of prowess and football this season. And just talking about them a little more just to shed some light on them, because obviously all of these teams probably we're going to end up talking to uh, sorry, talking about over the course of the season, especially over this next week as we enter into week one. So to go ahead, as you we were saying, with the ACC, with the um, – and this is necessarily – we're not doing this by division either. We're just saying all the teams that are in this. Biggest risers, my first one in here is I think that NC State can be on this list. I think NC State is in very good position to get second once again in the Atlantic Conference. They have a very strong linebacker unit. They are going to be a little weaker at the line, but overall this offense is very strong for the pack. I think they have a favorable schedule. I like what I see from NC State. I think they're usually an underrated team every year, but I could see this team's end game if they have a solid season, getting into a really good bowl and end up being this is like a nine and three. They could have a really good season here. I think that they should end up getting second in the Atlantic. They look good. No, I totally agree. They're returning 90% of their production on defense. Um, uh, we know what Dave Doran can do. 
uh, with a veteran uh, NC State team that's clearly being overlooked before the year. I'm on board with this totally. Uh, next up is Miami, and this is kind of the wild card. I know that I'm higher. I'm higher than than you are. I'm just telling you, I'm higher than than you are. I think this team is in a very similar position to Indiana, where it's just not going to be anywhere close to winning the conference. But its number one thing it depends on is quarterback uh, health. And we know that King has been an issue back and forth. I know you're not a fan of him, but either way, I still think this could be solid on that end. So I'm just saying on that end. Now the line does need improvement. The defense we know had a lot of issues last year, but they do have a lot to work with. I think that there could be a case for them here. I think that they should finish second in the Coastal. I'll be very surprised if they didn't. UNC does have this division, I would say, nearly on lock. The only team I see as a serious threat to UNC is Miami in this Coastal division. I don't really see anybody else really being much of a threat. Look, and and, and I get it. I get why you're high on De'Aaron King. I, I'm looking at the stats, and, and at Houston as a junior um, – Completed 63% of his passes. Uh, average yards per attempt is um, nine and a half, or almost 10, 9.9. And then he finished with 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. Last season at Miami, 64% of his passes, uh, 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, and five interceptions in 11 games. Look, this is eye test for me. I have just never seen anything from this guy that tells me that he is going to be an elite quarterback or that he is going to step it up that much um, in the process. And now Jack's back. We lost Jack temporarily, but Jack is back. Yes, my bad. And, uh, and yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying on that end. I, I think there is a, has been improvement by King, but there still is a lot of area of concern. So I, I get that about him. Last team I think could be rising a lot. I think the most underrated team in the ACC, Boston College, a team we usually don't really talk about a lot, but I really think this is just going to be a solid team. They have a very experienced roster, a very favorable schedule. Every single one of their O-line is coming back. Great tight end play, though, has been a staple of this team, and they are losing a lot of guys, and that ends, that's got to get better. But defense, again, very, very good at turnovers, which is something that we'll, we're actually going to be on that a lot over this next list of teams that are not particularly great on. Um, but they do are do great on turnovers. They're not very good at points for game prevention, though, which at the end of the day, you just got to score more. So defense is a little shakier, sometimes stronger. But, again, that O-line comeback, this Boston College team can have a – really actually good offense. I think that there's a lot of uh, very entertaining play in the Atlantic division this year. No, and I think you're absolutely right. The question is, are they going to be able to defend these high-powered offenses with quarterbacks like De'Eric King? A uh, little little shout-out, little positive note. Uh, like De'Eric King, yeah, like Sam Howell, like DJ yeah. Uyagalele. Um, it's going to be really hard to defend, and they're returning 60% of their production on defense, which is on the lower end of the ACC. Um, I think, I think the average here is probably, uh, probably around. No, they, they are returning the third lowest amount of production, fourth lowest amount of production in the ACC. So they are in the bottom five of returning production on defense. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I, I am not counting, uh, the, the Boston college Eagles out, 
but but I am cautiously um, optimistic about it. I will definitely say that. But who are some teams that we can just expect to be bad? Who can we write off this year? One of the ones here is Louisville. And now Louisville, I think, is more of a faller in a way of that they're really unpredictable and wild cardy more than they are faller because they obviously were not very good last year, but they lost so many games by under seven points. And that was their prop is they couldn't close, they couldn't finish, but they weren't really getting blown out a lot. They also had a really bad turnover ratio. They could not control the ball at all on that end. But the offense does show a lot of promise, and the defense did improve from 2019 to 2020 despite their losses. So this is a team that I more think is super unpredictable and you shouldn't bet anything on, but not as much bad, more just sort of we don't really know what to think of them because they haven't showed any consistency. And that is bad in a way. Yeah, well, for them, they're returning 81% of their offense, which is not saying much because they weren't very good last year. Uh, and only 50% of their defense. So we're going to have to see a lot of improvement out of this team if Which they even want to be relatively yeah. competitive. So and that's yeah, why I make I'm, that I'm point right on again, board with you here. Yeah, defense and improves, then, but you lose half of them. And then we have Pitt, who was terrible last year, quite frankly. And now they're only returning 40% of their offensive production and 56% of their defensive production uh, both are in the bottom. I mean, that's the worst returning production as far as offense goes in the ACC. Uh, and it's the second worst as far as defense goes. So it's safe to say that this is a team that needs the program to keep going, needs continuity on this team. Uh, and they're not getting it this year. They're getting a lot of turnover from a team that wasn't very good. So yeah, I, I'm, Totally on board with Pitt being terrible this year. Hey, don't forget, though, out of those uh, starters, both defensive ends and both safeties are gone. They had one yeah, shout run. Shout out Rashad Weaver on the Titans. One run of 40-plus yards all season and 3.2 yards per carry. Remember, this was the big running back school, <laughs> so not anymore. But, um, yeah, yards per play isn't bad for years, but it's just gotten, it gotten oh, worse. The days um, again, of LaShawn McCoy and Larry Fitzgerald are no more. <laughs> I mean, even James, even James Conner was a stud there. And then, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's no, been long since you're gone, totally but, right. Yeah. And um, next up, the little, last little bit, ACC championship game. I think this one is not particularly shocking, but uh, here we go. Clemson, UNC, Clemson wins. I have the exact same thing. I don't see this playing out any other way. Not even, not even a little bit. I'm not... I am counting Miami out as soon as the season kicks off because they're the Miami Hurricanes. Um, well, they're—I don't think they're going to get past UNC. I think they may—they think they may be closer than people may think they will, but they're not going to. I don't think they're going to get better. And and now is a good time to mention that UNC had a top ten recruiting class with multiple five stars. Um, the offseason a year ago, uh, who were freshmen last year, and now those guys are going to be uh, sophomores. Getting more of those guys on the field is going to be huge. And they return Sam Howell, uh, who is a stud quarterback um, and I think is uh, better than Mitch Trubisky was at North Carolina um, at this point. Obviously one more, but is definitely yeah. better than Mitch Trubisky was better at coaching this point. <laughs> but let's go to our bread and butter, the Big 12, where – I don't know that there's going to be that much competition at the top, but there's going to be a hell of a lot of competition 
in the middle of this year. This conference is absolutely stacked in the middle. Um, and let's just go ahead and start off with the most obvious riser who I actually think could fall a little bit this year, but from where their program has been in the past, certainly uh, they're everyone's favorite sleeper pick. They're returning an incredible amount of production this year. It is the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, what do we got here, Jack? What's your take? Well, for me, I'm going to have to stick with being very, very solid on Iowa State. I mean – they have everyone back basically from last season. The offensive line is going to be one of the best in the big 12. They have an unbelievably good defense and they did allow a lot of deep plays last year, which was one of their big flaws, but it's just, I love this team. And I mean, I hate that they're there with TCU. I mean, I wish that it wasn't the same problem, but it's like, dang, I mean, this is a really good football team. And this is a team that I think is going to be in a lot of really good positions. I think that they're, one of the better teams in the country. I, I know that it's it's if it wasn't for Oklahoma, I think that this Iowa State team would probably win the ACC, um, except for Clemson, and it probably would win the Pac-12. And so, yeah, this is a very good Iowa State team. I'm very excited to watch them this year. No, absolutely. With Brees Hall returning. The, I mean, the X factor is obviously going to be Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy was not good for the first part of last year, and they still managed to skate by. I don't think they're going to be able to skate by like that playing Iowa um, early within the first three weeks of the season. I don't remember if that's week two or three. But playing Iowa, another top 25 team, this early in the season, um, they're not going to be able to skate by with Brock Purdy uh, being bad. Um, like he was at the beginning of last year. Now they brought him along uh, and he's going to be good, but they actually, and, and here's my problem with Iowa state this year is I think they're going to be as good as they were last year, but I think the rest of the conference uh, sort of in that middle ground is going to take a little bit of a step forward. And do you know who the only team returning more of their production on both sides of the ball is in the big 12. And who is that? It would be the Sooners of Oklahoma. So there's the buzzsaw <laughs> that you're going to run into if you're the Cyclones, but let's talk about some other great teams uh, or teams who we think could be great, have the potential to be great in the big 12. This is a Homer pick, but I'm right here with you. TCU returning. They're going to rise. Yep. Duggan's back. I don't think Gary Patterson will stand for mediocrity much longer. Um, and, I mean, if TCU's mediocre again, we need to have a serious conversation about is Gary Patterson's time here uh, about done. Obviously, I don't think TCU should fire Gary Patterson. I'm still very much a believer um, in the Patterson yeah, way. Without Sonny Cumbie's touch anywhere near this team, I think TCU could be good again. Um, and I think they certainly get one of Iowa State or Oklahoma. And, I mean, I'm going to knock on wood very hard right now. But I think we beat Texas this year pretty easily. I would say I'm pretty confident in that, too. Again, knock on wood, knock on wood. But I, I would agree with that take. I think that's something that I would be fairly confident in. 
Um, but again, we talked about Johnson. Um, we know that the O-line needs a little bit of improvement uh, being able to guard him. Losing Wallow, Merrick, and Washington, all of those guys, big guys on defense that are all looking at NFL stuff. Yeah, that's not going to be helpful. But we also understand that DTCU has tended to be, we hope again, but tended to be a defensive juggernaut team and one of the best of the Big 12 on that side of the ball. But even so, they're returning 88% of their total production on defense and 84% of their total production on offense. This team has plenty of continuity despite losing those guys um, in the draft. And, man, I mean, the cornerbacks for this team are going to be legit. I think we have the DBs this year to be able to run with Oklahoma and Texas – and I, sir, I just, I'm, I'm a believer in Max Duggan. I think this is the year he takes that big step forward uh, that we've all been waiting for. And once Sonny Cumbie got out of the building, I mean, this team, uh, or once Sonny Cumbie got relieved of his duties, <laughs> I should say, uh, this team really took off under the guidance of Doug Meacham. And let's not forget, we haven't even mentioned any of the running backs. Any of the running That's backs. true. Darwin Barlow. My guy Evans. Back. Zach Evans. Yeah. Who, <laughs> this is the, this is just a funny side note. Zach Evans is suspended for the first two series of the first game uh, for violating team rules. So, Zach Evans will not see action in the first two offensive series against Duquesne. Uh, I wonder how the TCU offense will ever recover from that but across the state, we've got a team who everyone hates. Everyone. This team. Everyone. Especially the, after the summer. Especially after the especially summer. Especially after the oh, summer. Yeah. But oh, yeah. you, you have them as a riser. And I just don't agree, Jack. I just don't agree. I, I think I first think... year head coach, a lot of turnover, and. I mean, yeah, they're more talented than everyone else in the Big 12, but did that work with Charlie Strong? Did that work with Tom Herman? Not you know, really. I'm going to be I'm going to be totally and honest think, with you, no. I'm and I be... think they're going to get Let me finish my thought. I think they're going to get everyone's <laughs> okay, okay. best shot this year. They're going to get every single team's best shot because everyone hates them. They're going to get horns down in every single stadium that they go to more often than not. And I am just not a believer. I'm out on Texas this year, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they come in. Sark is a genius play caller, um, and Texas comes in with a huge chip on their shoulder, and they really show out. I am, as a TCU homer, as a Big 12 homer, um, I'm out on Texas this year. I think this is going to be another failure of a season in Austin. I am... I'm a little conflicted on this because for me, I, in all honesty, which is a little bit of a goofy moment on my end, but I had forgotten that Texas went to the big 12 championship and was uh, very close to all that this season. So to be totally frank with you, <laughs> totally frank with you, I actually kind of misplaced this team because I actually wrote in it. If you see the, the script I wrote right here, I was saying uh, without Ellinger and Cosme in the line, that's going to be tough, which is worded poorly because, of course, Ellinger, quarterback, caused me one of the top linemen who went in the draft. It's going to be tough. Bijan Robinson is a monster, though. Yeah, I think he'll be one of the best running backs in the Big 12. Of course, that usually can't save your team, but 
I do think he'll be a huge, huge reason why this team will win some solid games. But it is tough. And I think that there are teams that are vying for that spot and both TCU and Iowa State are in better positions to make bigger moves. So yeah, I am going to change my take on that a little bit um, and understand that a little bit of that may be slightly misguided on that end. So, you know, I'll rescind that take. I'll rescind that take. To be totally honest with you, I forgot that I made that end of it. But there are some teams, though, that do deserve the biggest followers. And the first one on here is Oklahoma State. Because Oklahoma State was a team that we thought, at least I know I thought, was going to be some big-time team last year. And yes, 8-3 and is nothing to to shy at. 8-3 and is an objectively very solid record. But this team should have been better. And I was waiting forever for Sanders to finally step it up at quarterback. Spencer Wallace on the outside. Spencer Sanders at quarterback. You had Chubba Hubbard at running back. You had such a trifecta to do anything, and they did nothing. Calling the plays, nothing, and it made me so sad. And not not sad. I mean, I was. I have nothing really for or against Oklahoma State, much less obviously than Texas or OU, but. It was just like, you're just going to waste it, and they wasted it. And now Sanders is still not really doing anything. They had a horrible turnover ratio. Rush defense was was more of a concern. Rush defense was sixth in the Big 12. And Oklahoma State usually has a solid defense. So it's that, again, rush defense was very poor, and especially against a lot of these really good Big 12 running backs we're talking about with Iowa State, Texas. Uh, OU mm-hmm. always has good ones. TCU, I mean – there are a lot of really good running backs. I mean, that's not even mentioning uh, Iowa State with Brees. So it's, yeah, there are a lot of really good running backs in this league. And will Oklahoma State stop any of them? No, they will not. If they and perform like last know, season, they won't. You know how much I love the deep analytics, the deep dives, the statistical deep dives. Well, here's a great uh, deep analytics stat for you. Spencer Sanders sucks. And he was terrible last year. With all this talent around him, he was terrible. And I am so out on Spencer Sanders, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I would not be surprised if, if he got benched uh, halfway through the year. But it, wait, it, it, is he it coming was, back? It was bad. Is he coming back? Do I have that wrong? I am going to check on that. Because they shouldn't I have would... him back if so. I would I want think he's back. still there. I thought so. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Uh, let me. I'm double checking. Go. Um, let's move uh, on. Just to let's check right on. now. Uh, he's a redshirt junior. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was offensive freshman of the year in 2019. Like honorable mention all Big 12. He was honorable mention all Big 12 last year. <laughs> the D. Yeah. The defensive. Ah, the defensive pinnacle. <laughs> the defensive cornerstone that are all the teams in the big 12, except for TCU. Uh, there is no defense in this conference. That's just that that's just the fact of the matter. Um, but let's move on. You've got Kansas state on here and I'm going to push back a little bit. Skylar Thompson was hurt last year and we've seen what they can do with Skylar Thompson. Now, is this team going to be good? No. But I certainly think they are still a threat uh, to upset one of the teams at the top of the conference. If you're a TCU and you're undefeated going into that Kansas State game, you got to be afraid of this team because they've got weapons. And 
I'm just not crazy high on them. And I know that Deuce Vaughn is going to be a very, very good uh, running back for this team, which is a guy that I don't think is being talked about a lot. I, mean, I was saying Big 12 got a lot of good running backs. He's one of them. But there's just not a ton of options at wide receiver. The defense was not good. And, yes, there were a lot of injuries in COVID with this team. They were hit very hard by that. I will not try to sugarcoat that at all. I know that was a big issue with this team that does have to get a lot of, you know, grain of salt on it. So I understand that's a piece of it. I'm not trying to put that away at all, but there is part of me though, that will still sit here and wonder of sort of like what's kind of next on that end. And I don't know. There's just not that I really, really love about this Kansas state team that can really make some kind of huge impact. And I think it's, again, I see teams like TCU, Iowa state, Oklahoma, all those being much better as much, and if, even a few others. And will they improve at all? Probably some, but it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not i am not crazy high on Kansas State this year, but to move on to the Big 12. Oh, sorry, do you have another point? No, no. I, I was just going to say, I, you know, I, I think of them more as an upset alert team uh, than than a real contender. Uh, yeah, I but I, I, and I, I, I personally am just a believer in Chris Kleiman. I think he, I think, the job that he did with that team last year, despite all the adversity that they went through, uh, was was pretty impressive. Um, but we'll have to see because they are not returning very much on defense. But Big 12 championship game where you were about to take us, uh, who you got? I think Oklahoma is pretty much an auto-picked every year. They've won six straight Big 12 championships, which is kind of crazy to think out loud of six straight is like they're basically just kansas basketball for big 12 version yep i mean honestly it's it's like that which is still stunning to think about how many kansas won in a row before they finally started falling off some but anyway oklahoma will still be in this game besides i mean the planets aligning they're going to be in this game and i think iowa state's going to face them here i think iowa state's the second best team in the big 12 i think they've proven that in multiple years i know that texas got in but i think clearly texas will not be as much a contention in here I'm a big believer in the Iowa State team. I think they're going to get there, and I think they're going to make it really close, but I just – God, I really love this OU team, and I don't mean that as in loving OU. I don't love OU at all. But I do think they're in a really good position to make some serious, serious noise, and so I think because of that, I just really like what they can do. And I'm picking Oklahoma to win as well, but I think they're going to beat TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Now, I realize this is a homer pick, but it reminds me of every great TCU team that we've had. We've got a quarterback returning after years uh, who has improved every single season. We've got stud running backs that can break a big one off at any moment. We've got a lot of returning talent on defense, especially in the defensive backs uh, where Travion Hodges Tomlinson uh, is going to go absolutely off this season i'm convinced um and the d line is returning uh several uh productive players as well as you've got quentin johnston returning on offense and we're getting rid of some of those uh smaller shiftier receivers that sunny Cumbie just loved to run on jet sweeps 18 times a game even though it never worked um I think getting rid of Sonny Cumbie, I think the combination of all the returning production, I think it's lining up great for TCU this year. And I'm going to go ahead and pick them to make the game. Uh, but obviously, I'd love to see it. Up. 
against a buzzsaw <laughs> in the Oklahoma Sooners. Now let's go to a conference that is absolutely not our bread and butter. Uh, I feel like we have no. no feel whatsoever for this conference because we're just so far removed from the Big Ten. I mean, I don't know. But I got anyone. a lot of research here, though. Got a lot of research. I don't research know in, so anyone know who went to school in the Big Ten. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to watch the Big Ten in this part of the country with SEC and Big 12 uh, sort of taking over. But the Big Ten was probably the second best conference last year, top to bottom. Uh, granted, they only played five or six games each, but probably the second best conference, top to bottom. Who you got in the Big 12 this year? Or Big Ten. Big Ten this year, Big I 10. think there are a lot Big of relief. Um, yeah. Big Ten, I think there are a lot of really fun teams to watch. I'm really excited about what we could have in here. And to start out, biggest risers, Penn State. I believe in Penn State this year. I think they're going to be a very solid team. Their turnover ratio was really tough. Four big defensive linemen got tough, too. They got really two solid transfers in. But there is a ton, 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 ton of talent on this team. I think they can be really good. Indiana. Penix, of course, you remember his terrible injury last year, but if he does come back, IU will be a serious threat in the Big Ten. Yes. Defense brings back nine starters, led the conference in takeaways last year. This Indiana team is a dangerous one. And last up, Iowa, which I think is pretty much the biggest contender to, to beat out Wisconsin for that Big Ten West spot this season. Uh, we know Wisconsin's always in the mix of it, but Iowa's going to be good. They finished 6-0 and after an 0-2 start. They have an opener against Indiana and then at Indiana State – uh, sorry, against – um. Iowa State back to back. Oh man, those are going to be fun. I'm telling you, Iowa Iowa State this year may be one of the best Iowa Iowa State games ever. Not even exaggerating. This may be one of the best between those two teams. Um, running back Tyler Goodson is excellent. Great O line. Now, quarterback is kind of the problem here. Uh, they also have a great defensive secondary linebacker core, but the line needs some work. So, kind of weird problems. I feel like we usually don't see teams with a great outside defense, but then that sort of that line is not good. And then, same thing with the with quarterback. Well, the quarterback kind of has a problem, but like everything else is kind of fine. So, well, I think it's just a classic. I think you're just going to see a classic eight win Iowa team. Eight and four. Solid. Solid as a rock. They might beat, they might even beat Ohio State. Who knows? But I think this is a classic, just (laughs) upper middle of the road Iowa team. Um, I like your Penn State pick there as well. I mean, I don't see how they can stay down for long. Uh, are they going to beat Ohio State? Probably not. But um, I'm certainly – I'm actually trying to make it up to Happy Valley for a game this year. So we'll see if that happens. I also am. I we'll also – I may be going back. to the Michigan game. I'm looking at into that. Ooh, but um, I might be I there could, as I well. Could. I you did want to mention, though – me like... or a shell of me in the tailgate <laughs> lot. That's true. That's true. I did want to mention, though, one, which we're going to get to this game in the coming weeks when we get to previews and recaps. But I do think – and I know this is kind of a crazy take, but I think that the Ball State-Penn State game may be more of a trap game than you think it may be. I mean, yeah, Ball State was in the – what what conference I'm set, are I'm, they in again? MAC. MAC they're in the MAC. Maybe. Yeah, they're in the MAC. They were in the MAC championship last year, right? Against I'm, Buffalo. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Ball State's not a team to play around. We're going to get to them later, though. Um, next up, biggest fallers, Michigan, which I put here almost as a joke because aren't they always falling – um, yeah, uh, Michigan continues their campaign of agony with Iowa, um, sorry, Indiana and Penn State improving. I- Ohio State still dominant. 
what is Michigan going to do? Backfield strong defense was horrific last year. It, I mean, they could be easily fourth in the division, and I don't even think that's too crazy of a take. And their defense is probably going to get worse just based off returning production. I'm so not a believer in Michigan. I don't even think they're worth <laughs> talking about. Hey, you can hear Michigan content everywhere else. Everybody loves to talk about them, even though they never do anything. Kind of like Nebraska, uh, who is should also be on this followers list, but I don't know how much further you can fall if you're uh, Scott Frost, then the the press conference where he just said the quiet part out loud. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little unfortunate. I um, it, it's sort of hard to watch a bit. Uh, next couple ones, Minnesota boat might be sinking a little. Eleven and two and nineteen, three and four last year. But Ibrahim should help a little bit. But oh man, the defense, the defense, the defense. Eight sacks in seven games. That's not good. You can't win a lot when you're having eight sacks total in seven games. Yeah, I mean, I still stand by my statement that P.J. Fleck is who everyone thinks Tom Herman is. Uh, <laughs> but we saw how that ended up at Texas in a major Power 5 conference. So it could be interesting for Minnesota. They returned 70% of their offense, 70% of their defense. But I am not really convinced uh that they can really compete yet or that they have the talent to compete yet uh in the big 10 and let's go ahead i'm gonna skip on to your final follower here northwestern who lost almost all of their offense they lost several nfl prospects and i think this team could be terrible this year no they they're gonna fall I mean, like God, I will, I will, I will shout this out now because I'm probably never going to say it again on the podcast, but shout out to Northwestern for winning the last two, um, two of the last three big 10 West titles, because this is probably the last time I can ever say that, but and almost seriously, congrats, though, that's impressive. and they almost <laughs> no, beat Ohio state. They almost had the greatest yep. karma victory ever after the big 10 completely changed their rules to let Ohio state play in the big 10 championship. We're not game. even going to get, uh, we're not just not going to get, I mean, Ohio State, which brings us to uh, the championship game uh, where Ohio State will make the championship game because the Big Ten won't allow them to not make the championship game, as we saw last year. Who are they going to play in the championship (laughs) game? That is the question. I've got Wisconsin uh, purely because I just don't know with the Big Ten. I mean, it's going to be so many average teams, and the Big Ten West – kind of continually sucks year after year. It's a very uh, lopsided conference with one good uh, division and one uh, pretty average division. Uh, and I liked what I saw out of Graham Mertz last year before he eventually kind of fell off. Um, but I think Paul Christ has a good thing going on up there. Uh, and I think that Wisconsin's probably the best bet to make it out of the West. So I'm going to go with them. And I'm going to go with Wisconsin, too, and there are a couple reasons why. First reason is their top three hardest games of the year, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Iowa, all three are at home. Second reason I'm big on Wisconsin here is because their last four games of the season are at Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska, and at Minnesota, which that's not that hard. So you have an easy end of the stretch, big teams there. Last reason is I still think they're on paper the strongest. So I think with all three of that there, Wisconsin should be expected to get through. Next up, we got the Pac-12. 
Pac-12, the last of the Power Five. Uh, I almost went a little bit Power Six on here. Just kidding. I forgot about the SEC. So the second to last one of the Power Five. Um, and Power Five is becoming a very loose term, both when it comes to the entire shakeup of everything we know about college football over the summer, but also uh, with the um, Pac-12 seeming to decrease in quality. But I'll make the take this year that I think there's some pretty quality teams in here that people should know about. And the first team here on Biggest Risers, which I think this could arguably be one of the biggest risers in all of Power Five, and that's Arizona State. I'm very excited to see what the Sun Devils do this year. Their crossover game with, with uh, Washington will likely decide a lot for this team, but they're returning a ton of, of talent from the team last year that led the Big 12 and um, sorry, Pac 12 in scoring. Quarterback play was great. Now, red zone offense wasn't really very good, nor run defense, but a very solid defense overall. I think Arizona State is going to be a huge contender in a Pac 12 South that's going to be really good. Utah is a very good team. USC is a very good team. Arizona State is going to be a huge dark horse team. I am genuinely excited to watch Pac-12 South football, and I have not said that in a while, but I think there is a lot of real talent there. And the North, I mean, we know has Oregon, Washington, a bunch of teams like that, but I'm just saying, I think the Pac-12 could actually be pretty entertaining this year. No, I agree. I mean, I always think the Pac-12 is entertaining, and it, maybe it's entertaining because teams sorry. are good, and maybe <laughs> maybe it's entertaining because teams are bad. But entertaining is certainly uh, a good way to describe the Pac-12 um, if, if pure entertainment uh, is what you're going for. Uh, you had Washington on this list. I'm not – Super convinced that this coaching staff uh, is going to have what it takes to make to bring Washington back to where they were under Chris Peterson. Um, I don't know. I'm not a super believer in the Huskies, but uh, with a small sample size last year and not really getting to see them on much of a big stage, I the jury is still out. I don't know. Yeah. I like them only because they lost the conference title game purely due to a Mickey Mouse COVID rule. And they did. They were better than Oregon that year. They earned the conference title spot. They lost it because of COVID. Oregon got to play. And then we know Oregon won. So I'm only giving the benefit of the doubt there. And again, everything goes down to the game against Arizona State. That's the big game here. I think that's going to decide a lot. I'm really on that edge of it. I'm just... I don't know. I feel like that game is going to end up deciding a lot of stuff with this team. And I think that it's going to be um, a pretty big deal for them on that. And I think that's going to matter. Uh, and then last yeah. up for Cal. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and as much shit as we've talked about Michigan for, you know, in the last 20 minutes, uh, they do have to play Michigan on 9-11 um, at Ann Arbor. That is going to be a very, very tough game regardless of if Michigan is good or not. Uh, but we're really going to get to see how they stack up early in the season. Uh, that's a pretty big game. No, it is. That's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I, I'm very excited to watch that. Next up is Cal. They were last in the Pac-12 in yards per play for four years, and they're thin at D-line. But the defense is going to be a lot better than last year. And I'm only putting them here as a literal statement. They went one and three last year. They're going to be a lot better than one and three. They won't be good, but they're going to be better than one Probably and three. So I only put like I, I'm only putting them on here as a mostly kind of pity point, but I, I do think that they're going to be um, a very very solid uh, point at this time. Can so I I, I'm, I'm only being you? that end. Can I throw of one course. in there for you? UCLA. That's UCLA true too. Could that, be an I forgot interesting them in there, yeah. team this year. 
Uh, seeing Jordan as they return 86% of their production on offense, 77% of their production on defense. I mean, can Chip Kelly do it? That seems to be the question. They were competing with USC last year. They were very competitive last year. And aside from a date with LSU, which is at home in the Rose Bowl, but that's not going to be a home game. There's That stadium is going to turn purple. Um, that's true. They get Fresno State at home. They get Arizona State at home. They get Oregon at home. They get Colorado at home. USC right down the road in the Coliseum. And they get Cal at home. Now, they got to go to Utah to play on the road. But, I mean, I think their toughest games are going to be at Washington and at USC. And if they can take care of business in both of those games, they've got a decent shot with most of their big games being at home. Uh, Looking at biggest fallers uh, for this end, it's kind of odd because I think that Stanford is, has been a team that's been frustrating to no end. They've won at least eight games a season from 2011 to 2018. They went four and eight in 2019 and then four and two last year, which is of course better, but they have to play Notre Dame again. Defense has regressed a little bit. It's just, I'm not super duper high on what Stanford's been doing. I think they're going to slip a little bit here. We've seen the Pac-12 North is still going to be very solid and I just don't think they're going to be better than them. So that's sort of my pick on that. And I think that's going to be a little weaker. I'm with you there. Uh, next up, and then lastly here, is Colorado. They finished right behind USC last year, but Arizona State's going to be better. USC's not slowing down. They averaged uh, 31.5 opponents' points per game average, and they only scored 28.5 points a game. There's a lot of reason for concern for Colorado to slip here, and I don't think they're going to be bad, but I just like Arizona State a lot more. I like Utah a lot more. I like USC a lot more. Well, the teams you just mentioned, I mean, they're the lowest on this list as far as returning production. Cal actually is uh, one of the lower, in fact, the lowest one on defense. But if it's, we're going to get one and three, I, I, I'm just saying they're going to be better than one and three for Cal. If we're going like to get to this point, uh, the Pac-12 championship game, we've actually got the same matchup, different winners. I've got Oregon beating USC because I like the Oregon coaching staff, what Mario Cristobal is doing in Eugene uh, far more than I like what Clay Helton is doing in Los Angeles. So what say you, and, and, and I've got something actually to your point. I want to see if you bring it up, but what say you about the USC Trojans this year? Because why would they not choke last year? Or why would they choke last year but not choke this year? See, my reasoning here is I just think they're the best team overall in the South. Now, see, my problem, too, which I'm going to put this out here, this is by far the least confident pick that I have out of any of the Power Five Conference Championships. Because there are – I would have no surprise at all if Utah was here. I would have no surprise at all if Arizona State was here. I would have no surprise at all. Okay, maybe a little bit surprised if it was someone else, even than Oregon. I think Oregon's still the favorite, but I wouldn't be shocked if a team like Washington came up. It's just there's so many options, which again, it's why the Pac 12 is a little bit of fun because you don't really just know. And a lot of teams, you just kind of know. And so that's at least the big part that I really enjoy about the Pac 12 is it's hard. And yes, USC tends to be pretty consistent in terms of getting back to the Pac 12 championship game. They do that pretty much every year, which is why I think you and I agree pretty clearly on who is going to be in this game. 
but I think that USC has the talent to come back and win it again. Now, yes, should they have won it last year? Absolutely. Yes, they were the team favored for it, and Oregon got their way in by a Mickey Mouse way. I just don't think they're going to do it again. But I, don't I think, think this is the USC program. This is the Clay Helton experience. You might win every game. None of it will look impressive. You will almost choke every single game away, no matter if it's against a good team or a bad team. So I think this is the USC experience at this point. They're going to win their games uh, in a very uh, unsatisfying fashion, and then they're eventually going to choke in the big one. And to throw one back, Corey Fullman, Cor- sorry, Corey Foreman, the guy I mentioned earlier, that D-end, he's going to win Pac-12 defensive freshman of the year. That's my take there. I think he's going to get some big things going on that end. Um, I think Drake Jackson's a big guy on this team, USC defender, um, junior Drake London. Um, has been an excellent, excellent wide receiver for this team. He'll get up. Troy Polamalu's cousin, who I can't pronounce. I think it's Tuivasa. Is that it? Biggest thing, yes. The biggest thing I love about this team, again, it's it's. I just I think there's a lot of the, of really solid quality talent coming in here. I think this defense is going to be really, really good. I just there's there's a lot of stuff to like here too. And uh, they've Keontae got a lot of Ingram. playmakers. But it's Keontae about Ingram, coaching. At the end of the day, in college football, a lot of it is just about coaching. That's and why that's we see too. these teams shelling out big money for guys like Jimbo Fisher, because they have won a national championship. Clay Helton has not shown me anything uh, at USC to say, yeah, may, well, he should still be the coach there. I think he should have gotten fired years ago. But the only reason is because he wins games, even though it's very, very unsatisfying to watch and, and in fact, hard at times to watch. But let's go to what I would call my second bread and butter. I grew up in this. You grew up in this. I did. Yeah, I did. This is... I went to five schools, yep. This is the Southeastern Conference. Uh, the, The big brother if you will, uh, and Most getting bigger, conference. <laughs> getting bigger as of 2025. Yeah. I, w- I don't, I wouldn't even label it the most annoying conference. I think the big 10 might be I the most would. annoying conference. Big 10. Uh, I wouldn't say that SEC talks more oh, than anybody Michigan, else. Michigan's going to be good again this year. Uh, no one wait, says that Michigan anymore. Sucks. Nobody says that. No, Every, no, no. Michigan's the most, Michigan is crowned on. Michigan has clowned on more than any other team than maybe Texas and Texas because they did it to themselves. No, Michigan gets yeah, so well, much hate and so yeah, much clowning, which they deserve. themselves in the foot every other Yes, day. but don't act like Michigan the, – the I, I wrote Lichigan instead of Michigan in this, and I bet most people wouldn't even know the difference. I, I'm, I think you're confusing nah, I, Twitter with sports media because Michigan has been – I mean, people same. saying, oh, they've got the talent this year. They got Joe Milton this year. They got this guy this year, this guy this year. <laughs> Every year, there's like, oh, this is going to be the year that it finally clicks for Jim Harbaugh. And they've been terrible ever since that terrible call on fourth down for JT Barrett, where JT Barrett was, in fact, (laughs) short. Uh, And that is an absolute fact. Uh, But the Big Ten is rigged. Uh, and we're that's all we're going to say about that. Well, we we know that. We know the Big 12 is rigged. That's been a very... uh cut and dry thing we've seen for quite a while i'm not so i'm interested uh, we're gonna we're gonna really speed through after this we're gonna really speed through um some of the smaller mid-major conferences because we are running over time at this point um and i haven't eaten dinner so 
Who do you got for biggest risers in the SEC? Um, and I'm definitely going to have uh, some agreement or some pushback on a lot of these. For me on this end, this is going to be tough uh, for a lot of these teams, but some of them I think may go a little easier than others, a couple of them. First one up here, as much as it makes me just sick to say, it's got to be Georgia. And I know it's got to be Georgia first because you know – by default, Florida is going to be we'll talk about later in followers. And this is simply because Florida lost too much. Georgia didn't. Georgia gets JT Daniels back. Florida does not get Kyle Trask back. That tends to change your teams pretty big. JT Daniels, pretty much any time he was on there, was really big. Anytime he wasn't, he wasn't. Now, there has been some O-line shuffling. There have been some losses at wide receiver. Um, cornerback is also a weak spot, but the defense is still very, very good. Unless, again, like with OU – Unless, maybe not as much, but unless something just absurd happens, Georgia will be back in Atlanta this December. I will be absolutely blown away yeah. if, if they aren't back, yeah, which is no. possible. Again, it's possible. We never know. There could be something stupid, but it's just – ah, man, it's but really Georgia, hard for me to imagine. Georgia is turning into – and I'm not trying to liken their program. Don't hear me saying that. They do not have the championship pedigree that these other programs have. But on a recruiting and just on a blue chip ratio um, level, they are the same sort of five-star factory that we see in Columbus, Ohio, in Clemson, South Carolina, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They are a machine in just turning out talent. Now, the question for Georgia, as always, is, is this offense finally going to be uh, a 21st century offense or are we still going to be stuck um, in the early 90s uh, just running the ball and playing defense? And that's really going to be the question as far as how good can this team be? Because we saw them, we saw an uptick in offense once JT Daniels uh, took the field last year, but... The question is, if they're just going to run the ball and not really let him air it out that much, I mean, who knows? But to be fair, the last quarterback that we saw have success at Georgia was Jake Fromm, who I don't think any of us thought was really that good. I mean, Justin Fields should have started over him as a freshman for crying out loud. Which will never get funny. Um, it never get. I will funny. never. It will never not be oh, funny man. that Jake Fromm started <laughs> for a whole year over Justin Fields. <laughs> they just gave away. Who <laughs> and then? He oh just, my god! Oh sure, I'll go to Ohio State and you know go to national championship games while what Georgia's sitting joke. on the sidelines playing. What a joke! Freaking Cincinnati. <laughs> And barely yeah. winning, only because Cincinnati nice. just forgot how to I use love, the clock. Ugh. I, I anyway, just love love the whole state of Georgia football. Um, it, it's, it, it's any, really anyway. We don't need to even really get puzzling. into that. It's no, no, painful no. for me after Georgia. But uh, next up, we have Missouri. I've been impressed with what Missouri's been able to do to build their team up to be a uh, bottom dweller SEC East team, which is bad. Which people refuse to admit that the middle and bottom of the SEC is terrible. And then now moving up to be an actually pretty decent team. Um, very Are average sure last year against that? skill players aren't saying, I am sure about that. Missouri, I, I, you're telling me Tennessee being a middle SEC East team could beat a lot of teams in the country? No, they can't. Uh, I, 
Are you telling, telling me you that then. Missouri is going to be good this year? Because I'm going to tell you the opposite. They'll be better. They were five and five in a year zero last year. Five and five. They're going to trend up at least a little. This team is going to trend losing, up. They're losing a lot of their production on offense. That's my only. That's my only hang I up just, there. I am I a five year zero. I'm a fan of Drinkwitz. I am a Drinkwitz fan. I am a lot. I am along for the ride with you there. I am just again cautiously optimistic about this team. Again, I'm not saying this team's going to finish first. I'm not saying they're going to finish second. But should they be the third place team in the East? I think they should. Oh, the East uh, is a trash pile this year. That's an absolute that's why I'm saying trash that. heap. I know. <laughs> uh, speaking so of a team that's not in a trash heap of a division, Texas A&M, they're one spot away from the playoffs last season, uh, arguably should have been in, and the Aggies are set to make another solid run here. A very good backfield, very good defense. Consistent quarterback play has been an issue for them, which we saw plenty, plenty, plenty over the last few years, but this is still a team primed to make some serious moves. Now, I still don't trust them 100%. But I do like this team a lot. I think they're going to be a huge threat, and I think this will be the closest that AM will get to really making serious damage since the Manziel days. Oh, and I'm all aboard the AM train this year. Number one reason they return Isaiah Spiller, they return DeVarvin Leal, bunch of guys on defense, and no Kellen Mond. <laughs> Everyone loves Kellen Mond except for me. I am the world's only Kevin Mond hater because. Every time I watched Kellen Mond play, it was infuriating at how much better I think the team could be uh, when Kellen Mond uh, decided to jet off to the NFL and be terrible for the Vikings. So I am all aboard the, uh, as Bill Simmons calls, the Patrick Ewing theory where your team is actually better and more likely to win a championship without you, even though you're a good player. Uh, I'm all aboard the Kellen Mond Ewing theory. I think he limited that offense. Even though he was a good decision maker, I just think his talent did not quite have the upside that you're going to get this year from this Texas A&M offense. I'm all aboard the A&M hype train. Again, I am picking Jimbo Fisher as my coach of the year. Um, I I really am a believer in Texas A&M this year. And with Bryce Young starting at Bama, could we see a new SEC West champion? I still don't think so, because I know you were really heavy on Auburn last year and that ended up not working out. Now, to be fair, I'll give you this. Auburn is, as you mentioned earlier, the ultimate hot-cold team. So if they're cold, they're not getting close. If they're hot, they might as well win the national title. So I get that's very back and forth. But I still trust in Alabama. I still think they're going to be the best team here. I still think they're going to be good. I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's you can't ever go wrong with picking them. And I do think Georgia will be back in the East, which I think that's a pretty easy given, um, almost more than Alabama. I think that's easy and easy given. Um, yeah. and, and, and this is going to be a down year for the SEC. I think we are both in agreement oh, yeah. on that. This oh, is yeah. going to be a down year for the SEC. Um, and – to go along with that, I think Florida is going to be the number one culprit of that because this team is just returning nobody. Nobody. Florida, they lost they pretty much their entire offense. No. I don't think Emory Jones is going to be a good quarterback for them. They had one shot. They had their shot. They it's had their not shot. happening this year. It's not happening. 
uh, you had your shot and Marco Wilson threw a shoe. So there's that. Um, <laughs> you anything had your shot else? And then <laughs> any any uh, other notes on Florida? Not much, but I uh, will go on to the last team here in the SEC. We kind of accidentally already went over the SEC championship game, so this will be the end of the SEC. But um, I'm going to go with Auburn here. They have a very tough schedule. They have road trips to Penn State and LSU and A&M, and they host UGA and Bama. That's five games that are pretty solid losing games. Like it's With like, a new coach. With a yeah, brand new coach. That's hard. And with Bo Nix playing quarterback. That's Bo really Nix is hard. not good. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I really, What did I you see from Bo Nix last year that made you think, oh, with a new coach this year, he's going to be way better. I, nothing. I mean, that's nothing. why this is a tough thing. It's a tough he thing. He should to be see, playing so at I, Boise I, State. They should have traded Bo Nix for Brian Harson. <laughs> She I mean, said, it's hey, just, it's just we'll disastrous. give you our former five-star quarterback if you just give us your head coach. It's just painful. But, no, it's Auburn's not going to be any kind of threat at all this year. It's going to be Alabama, Texas A&M for fighting for the top spot, no longer Auburn at least this season. And, you know, LSU may make a little bit of noise, but they're not going to be better than either of those two teams. And uh, next up, we then have the American Conference. And you know no, what? No, no, I put no, no. them in we here talking about We didn't do the championship game. This was my I thought one. we already did. No, we didn't. I thought we t- – Oh no! I made my pick. My bad. <laughs> I made my yeah. pick. I didn't realize you did. Come on, man. My bad. Go, go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. Texas A&M is going to win the West this year. I said this about Auburn last year, and I was so dead wrong. Uh, Texas A&M is going to win the West this year. Why? Because Alabama re- has the lowest returning production. We talked about all the talent and production that um, Florida lost on offense. Now, Alabama, yes, they have top 10 recruits coming in year after year to replace these guys. That doesn't mean that they're going to be good right away. That doesn't mean that Bryce Young, in his first ever year starting as a college quarterback, is going to be immune to to little slip-ups. And I think this is the year... This is just one of those years that we see every few years where Alabama has a little bit of a down season, and then they're going to come back next year. They're going to be ranked number one again, and they're going to beat the hell out of everyone. But I mean, and this look, at, year, look at schedules. Look at schedules too. Alabama has the neutral game against Miami, which they'll win. Mercer at home, which they'll win. Florida on the road, which would have been a problem last year, but they'll win. So then Southern Miss, Mississippi. At AM will be the game of the year. And then at Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU, New Mexico State, because of course they play New Mexico State. Oh, yeah, New Mexico State and Mercer. So good job, Bama, with the hard opponents. Um, and then yeah, in your one just, hard out of conference is Miami. And then Arkansas just, and at Auburn. Wait, just wait. I've got I've got a surprise for you later, based on this point. I've got a surprise for you later. Um, I think Georgia wins the SEC this year. I'm a believer in JT Daniels. I think they finally bring this offense um, into the 21st century. Um, And I've got Georgia winning the SEC this year, uh, much to your chagrin, um, as I can clearly see on your face. I mean, Um, if they they deserve to win, they deserve to win. I'm not – as much as it'll – I'll give them that. I mean, I'm not. I don't think this is going to be a three-loss Bama team. 
I think this oh, is a true. one or two loss Bama team at most. Oh, playoffs. Don't even. Oh, God. I don't even want to get started about. But like, their win the total is Bama, the one loss AM, the one. Alabama's oh, win total. And oh, you're in for such a shock later. Alabama's win total is set at 11 and a half. I'm not taking the over. Yeah, that's too, that's too risky. I wouldn't take that either. So let's move on to the American Athletic Conference where, honestly, I don't know. This team is Cincinnati and then a bunch of teams that's just a crapshoot. One of them is going to end up in the championship game every year. It's going to be Memphis. It's going to be Houston. It's going to be UCF. It's going to be one of those three teams that plays against Cincinnati. But Cincinnati is clearly far and away the best team in this conference. Yeah, I think that's um, a pretty easy take there. Uh, Cincinnati would have uh, all but – I mean, they're, they're easily the conference um, champion already, if not for a pretty big disaster. But I did want to bring up at least to mention on here some teams to look out for. Houston. I think Houston could be a great team this year. And the reason why is they have Dana Holgerson in at higher yep. from West Virginia. The Cougs don't have to play UCF or Cincy. They miss both. So think about that. Both the easily the top two talented teams in the conference on paper, neither of which they have to deal with. Now that I can get um, on board with. That's what I'm saying. Offense is is great minus a bad turnover ratio, but they have been very solid. Defense was non-existent in getting turnovers, but was solid um, against the run in the past. So I'm just saying Houston could be a team that I think is a great sleeper team to look at in the American. Um, other team here is Tulane. They had their third straight bowl game last year in a great O-line um, and overall defense. Uh, they did have very poor third down performance and a leaky defense overall, but I do think Tulane is going to get some wins that may be more surprising than others, which are usually a non-existent team. So I'll give them a little credit. The biggest followers, Tulsa. Yeah, the biggest followers, Tulsa. They had a great O-line and some guys returning from injury, but basically no big plays, 18 lost turnovers, but you lost David Collins. You lost your top two corners. This defense is going to be non-existent. Yeah, but and then finally winner out um, the door. Bad, bad news for Tulsa. Very true. Uh, Navy then coming up last, the team that makes absolutely no sense. This team went three and ten, eleven and two, and then three and seven last year. I don't get it either. But this team is, makes very weird sense. They have to play Notre Dame on the road. They do have to host Marshall Air Force. Uh, There's going to be some tough scheduling here. They also have to travel to Houston. This Navy team has too tough a schedule, and I think they'll be non-existent here. So because of that. I think Houston's going to make the AAC, the AAC championship game and they're going to play against Cincinnati. And I still think since he's going to win, but I think Houston may end up winning that West. I got Memphis uh, playing Cincinnati just because I just picked a team. It's a crapshoot, like I said, but I got Cincinnati winning. I mean, they're clearly going to be the best team uh, in the American athletic conference with all the returning production on offense and some studs still on defense, a defense, which was locked down last year. Uh, by the way. Um, so let's go through the independents. We've got Notre Dame. Uh, they, as always, and of course not last year, they played an ACC schedule last year, but as always have a lot of tough games this year. Uh, they go to Wisconsin. They play Cincinnati, USC, UNC. These are all going to be phenomenal games. Must watch TV on NBC um, I assume game day will probably be at one or two of those. Um, it's going to be a big year for Notre Dame. However, I'm not super high on this team this year. Let's say you. 
Uh, I I don't know. I think Notre Dame's a very bizarre team. Again, they have to play at Wisconsin, Cincinnati, USC, UNC. Those four games are going to obviously determine their schedule. I think all four of those games can be very fun. I'm very excited to look forward to watching those. But yeah, at Wisconsin, you're playing one of the best teams in the Big Big Ten. Cincinnati, you're playing probably the best G5 team. USC, a very very good Pac-12 team, and then UNC once again a very very good ACC team. So. I think they could lose as much as three or four of those potentially. I mean, I, there's no way they're going to sweep that. So it, it's it's going to be a difficult time, and I'm not entirely sure what they're going to end up doing on that end, but it'll be tough. Uh, next up, BYU on that end. They're losing Wilson. You have to host Arizona State and Utah, and you travel to USC. That's a really tough schedule. You have to basically play all three of the top three contenders in the Pac-12 South. That's going to be really hard for BYU, and I think they're going to fall off a bit. So not a huge year for the independents, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't think it's going to be too much. Uh, next yeah, up, we'll kind of run through these. Well. Yeah. Next up, I'm just going to run through the rest of the conferences, some teams that this is more um, what we're doing here is no more big thread. I'm more just saying here are some teams I think you should watch because I think there are a lot of really fun teams in the G5, and here are a few that I think should be worth your time. In the Mountain West, two big teams here. Boise State season opener is tomorrow night at UCF. Watch this game. I'm so excited for this. I think it's going to be a huge reason determining the bowl game for either of these teams down the stretch. This is going to be awesome. They also host Oklahoma State two weeks later, Oklahoma State, Boise State. Uh, This will be a scary team again. High-octane offense, great points-per-game defense, but they do need help again with turnovers, starting corners, and O-line production, a common thread we've seen tonight. Uh, And then also Nevada, Jay Norvell. I think is my pick for Mountain West Coach of the Year. And then quarterback Carson Strong should be Mountain West Player of the Year. Even if Nevada doesn't end up beating probably Boise State in the championship game, Nevada's going to be a hard team to beat this season. Uh, They did have a lack of forced turnovers on defense and a lot of sacks allowed by their O-line, but pretty much the only problems on this team that I think is a very sneaky good team. I like Nevada this year. Uh, Looking to back for some action, baby. Can't wait for some Tuesday night football. Uh, Toledo. Averaged 35 points per game last year. Very solid. They have great running back play, as they usually do. All five offensive linemen coming back. This will be probably the best O-line in the MAC conference. Defense was great. To be fair, they had a small sample size because of COVID, but did need a little bit of better Renzo performance. But yeah, Toledo is going to be good. Uh, Ball State as well. Last season stunned Buffalo to win their first MAC title since 96, which you pointed that out um, earlier about them getting the title game. They have 17 starters returning. Um, they do visit to Wyoming in week three, which I think is going to be one of the most like weird, fun games. Ball State at Wyoming. Honestly, I think it's going to be fun. I will be watching that game. I think Always Wyoming's actually a pretty good team too. No, they're they're going to be decent this year. I really I really think so. Um, starting quarterback Drew Pitt and a great wide receiver duo make this offense just a hair behind um, the best in the conference. But again. All five starters are turning here. Secondary still vulnerable on defense, but very good in takeaways. And this linebacker unit for Ball State is excellent. And then uh, Conference USA, uh, UAB, uh, one of the best defensive units in all of G5. Still very good uh, lines on both ends. They'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Marshall won the division last year despite a late-season collapse. So quarterback Grant Wells may be one of the best in the conference, but they did lose their leading rusher. But, uh, yeah, Marshall fell off really, really hard at the end of that there. Um, also, speaking of good defense, uh, UAB is up 17-0 um, after halftime against Jacksonville State, so they won't let them do anything. Uh, next up, Sunbelt. And lastly in conference, look, Sunbelt to finish our 10 conferences. Coastal Carolina. They were the Cinderella and the love of ESPN and everyone else in 2020. The Chanticleers are going to return a lot of talent 
this is going to be fun. Quarterback Grayson McCall will lead the way as amazing as a freshman last year. All five O-linemen are back and their best wide receiver and their tight end. Now, the red zone defense is their only concern on that stacked team, but out of conference schedule, Citadel, KU, Buffalo, UMass. Shannon Clears may go undefeated this year. This will be a really fun team to watch. And then lastly, we have Louisiana. Three straight Sunbelt Conference trips, but still no wins. Technically did get a half win last year with the split conference title, which was stupid, but technically haven't outright won a game. Um, great offensive core here. Receiving core doesn't really have a number one option so far, though. Um, only 19 sacks made last year, and the run defense wasn't great, but the pass defense on this team is unbelievable. Matchup with Coastal Carolina on October 2nd. Watch out for that game. That's can I give you? Can I give you a prediction? Or something can I give you my my prediction, my bold prediction? And I may I'm I've made several of them, but this is my number one bold prediction in terms of confidence. Louisiana is going to beat Texas week one. I think they may. I mean, Texas. I oh, think Texas they're going would to. Be, Texas would be the team to overlook them, especially after the SEC thing and walking on in. Like, Texas be loses those guys. their opening oh, game my. every year. It's just a given, unless they play freaking, I don't know, <laughs> South Dakota State, who they might lose to the they might lose to the Jackrabbits as well. If they play, if no. you play Texas Week One, you get the easiest version of Texas because they never have their shit together Week One. Just remember BYU, Maryland. All of these teams have beaten Texas week one within the past, like, 10 years. What's to make you think that the raging Cajuns can't come into Austin and make a little bit of noise? Uh, Yeah, it's... uh, It's hard to really, really love a lot of that that's going on, but it's... Texas just proceeds to disappoint every year. Looking up things that don't disappoint, which uh, is kind of said a little bit in jest because they screwed up every year. But the playoffs are last thing we have here <laughs> on the preview, which makes sense as that is what the year ends with. And what I got here as my playoff teams, and I know, I know Shocker. we'll have some crazy calls here, some really Shockers. truly insane predictions, crazy stuff. At number one, and again, I also think a lot of this could change. But at number one, I'm still going to be sticking with Alabama. I think they're going to win out and get some big wins. I think if they do end up winning out, especially against how AM is going to be this year, I think they'll deserve it. Next up with Ohio State, I think there's way too much, like a, a stupid amount of talent on that team, as you and I both have mentioned. I think they're going to end up running the table uh, pretty simply. And again, they have the schedule to back it up and get that. That Oregon game on that schedule is going to be a big boost to, the, to their resume if they want to get a little bit higher on that tier list. They end up going undefeated. So um, actually, if both Ohio State and Bama get undefeated, I think Ohio State might even deserve that number one spot. Um, I don't know if they're going to give it to them, but they may deserve it. Uh, next up, I have Oklahoma. Again, I really do believe in this Oklahoma team this year. I think it's one of the best Oklahoma teams we've seen in a while. Lincoln Riley can finally get his spot in, and I really think Oklahoma is going to be a serious threat this year. And then lastly, Clemson. I think Clemson is still going to be great. We know that they're going to destroy everyone in the ACC, and I think it may actually count for something a little more because UNC is actually a contender team. Uh, with that, I think Alabama is going to best Clemson, and I think OU is going to get the big-time upset over Ohio State, and Oklahoma will finally make a national championship game. But – I don't think they'll win it, and I think Alabama for the time for the first time under Saban will get there. Is it a three-peat if they win this year? Isn't that right? I think it is, right? They were 2019, 2020. 
They went 2018. Why am I just blanking? No, that was Burroughs' year. Sorry, that was Burroughs' so, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I was, no, I was thinking 2018. I mixed, I, mixed, I mixed the year up. Yeah, it's, it's their first back-to-back championship they've had in almost a good while now. But um, I think Alabama's got the tools for it. I think they can get it again. I think that their freshman class they have coming in is absolutely ridiculous, and a lot of those guys are going to blow up. And I just really like a lot of what they have to bring to the table. Now, to be fair, I think if all these teams get there, I think Bama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma would have pretty much a three-way odds to end up getting really the title here, at least out of the projections I have it. I think they're all – No, 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 no. Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma. No, no, No Clemson? That's what I'm saying. I think those three would be better off, yeah. I think Clemson would be last in these four. I think Ohio State has more talent. I think I think Oklahoma will be end up better, and I think all of them will have better schedules. If you're going to put them as it is, I I think they three would be all fair fairly ahead of Clemson here. All right, all right. No ETN, well, no Lawrence. I mean, they got a good team coming in, but they they lose they a got lot. DJ Uyagalele. They got. Have you Who seen? I don't think I, as good as Lawrence. I know, and I like him. I have nothing wrong. I know he went off. I have nothing against him at all. I think he's going to be big, um, easily ACC Player of the Year. But I also know that. Have it's you the ACC seen my guy? Just... Have you seen my guy? Freshman running back Will Shipley. Dude is Again, McCaffrey. I trust 2.0. you that Clemson is going to be amazing. Clemson will be very good. I just think these other teams could end up being better. <laughs> okay. I just think, and they have better competition to prove it because we know Clemson doesn't play anybody except for Georgia and UNC. Yeah, well, you know I think Spencer Rattler is overrated. Um, and to that point, I think Oklahoma ends this loss with ends this season with like two losses and still wins the Big 12 championship. Uh, my teams, in order actually, I got UGA with the one seed. Oh, my God. Win- winners no of the way. SEC. Winners no of the way. SEC. They only University get this if they Georgia. win out. They have to go thirteen and zero, and then and then I'll believe you. If they don't go thirteen and zero, Georgia, I guarantee you will not get the one seed. Well, here's why I think they get the one seed. I think they beat Clemson this weekend, so they went out. Georgia goes undefeated this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I but ah, I don't. But believe here's that. the thing. But they're not the going to get Georgia, the one seed. They're going to feed. If Georgia has one loss and Clemson's one loss is Georgia, Georgia is still going to be ahead of Clemson. And Ohio State's not going to win out. No, Ohio State, they're not going to go undefeated. They're just not. I think they're new, better than Georgia on that end. New quarterback. Uh, their defense was not great last year, and honestly, I think it got worse over the offseason. I, I think Ohio State's going to be great this year. I'm not saying – again, we're just nitpicking. We're, you still we're, have them in the playoffs. You st- I mean, yeah, you still yeah, have them in no, the playoffs. We're nitpicking, like them out. we're nitpicking everything this year. <laughs> Also, we are previewing something that's going to happen in like what five months. I mean, which I mean, we yeah, could have no. a freak injury, God forbid. We could have, I mean, COVID. COVID's still ne- a thing. Yeah. I mean, we could have games screwed up. We don't know. Four fifths. Yeah. We're making our calls. I, so I've got UGA, Clemson, Ohio State, and coming in at the fourth spot over the two loss Big 12 champion we have the Alabama Crimson Tide as a one loss non-conference winner. I would hate that. You don't actually that's the thing. you don't even understand how much I would hate this playoffs. If you had Georgia undefeated at it's one. It's happened before. Clemson, this is li- no, 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 but this no, no. literally happened no, no, like no, no, 3 no, no, years no. ago. Georgia undefeated at the one seed? 
Not at the one seed. You know that's what I'm but, saying. This playoff of Georgia talking so much mess at the number one seed undefeated, Clemson at two, like my biggest ACC team I hate now, especially being at Syracuse, and then Ohio State at three, and then Bama somehow rolls in anyway. Oh my god, I pray look, you're with wrong. the with the <laughs> For exception my sanity, with the wrong. exception of the Joe Burrow year. The college football playoff is literally just set up to deliver us disappointment year after year after year. It's the same five teams. It's these four in Oklahoma. That exactly. They're my four and plus Georgia. So I've That's got UGA, <laughs> Clemson, Ohio State, Bama. I've got UGA beating Bama and playing, get ready for this, a rematch against Clemson because what's the only thing – more disappointing than having the same five teams in the playoff every year is having those teams rematch a game that they played in the regular season for the national title. <laughs> You're doing this on purpose, I swear. I You're doing this on doing purpose. It. I am There's... doing it on purpose. It's I'm trying to think of what outcome would piss me off the most. And this and is me. it. <laughs> And this me. is it. I don't. I honestly, every honestly, year we do it every year. We get pissed off about the playoffs every single year. You know, because because this is live and this is on video and this is being recorded. I'll say it right now. If this is the matchup in the national title game, I'm not watching a single minute of it. I'm not watching one minute of this game. Wow. Because to me, the winner doesn't matter. Because the winner is it just someone it. I hate and want to lose. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's UGA Notre Dame in the national title would be worse. To me personally, that would be worse. The, that's the only matchup that would be personally worse to me. But this game, I swear to you, I will say it right here, right now, and you better hold me to it. I'm not going to watch a minute of it if it's this matchup because I well, we know Notre Dame's not going to get there. So, well, if I'm uh, not doing it, no way. You'll, you'll just watch the stat cast on. <laughs> I'm going to watch the FCS like quarterfinals that are on yeah. that time. I well, don't even care. There, uh, look, if there's one thing we know about the playoffs, it's that. Or if in as college football in general, as a result of the playoffs, is that games don't matter, and none of this actually matters, and it's going to be the same four teams at the end of the year. It's a nihilistic point of is, view, but that doesn't make it untrue. It's true. It's true. No yeah. college football. I swear, it's it's like the most and least fun thing ever because it's so fun and amazing, and the spirit of it is like nothing else. And going to games. I mean, even I know being Syracuse now that. It's not the most premier college football in the world, but you still have the Carrier Dome and you still have like Clemson coming in. And like, there's still so much fun with it, even for a team that's not even that good. And knowing that even a TCU, a team that tended to be average to pretty good over the times we saw them, and we had a couple of really good years, that the energy of it's unmatched. There's nothing like college football, especially I know us being Southern may be a little biased, but I'll still stand by that. But it's still, that's what kills me so much that when you don't have like a March Madness format, that's like not saying you need to have that exact same thing, but like, you have a format that fits your sport perfectly that encapsulates so well like March Madness does. Or even when the pro leagues, much to be complained, still do playoffs, playoffs. Really well, and you still love watching all that. But it's just like the NFL God, just football added just another playoff team. The NFL added Which, yeah, a seventh was... playoff team before the college football playoff with 140 plus possible teams. There's only 32 to choose from the NFL. Four. Four oh. teams. Are in the college football playoff. The NFL playoffs now feature 14. This is you know outrageous. What the craziest thing is, is people will still sit there and fight tooth and nail and will still fight 
that expanding the playoffs makes the competition worse. And I'm like, and that makes gonna... def- it defies logic. I, it's the opposite effect. I was like, wh- well, why would it? Yeah, upsets and, and, now and... can happen. You're you're allowing upsets to occur, and if they don't, well, and, then okay. And... No one and what's who, wrong who with it is everyone everyone's gonna say, well, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State are just gonna beat the hell out of these smaller teams if we let them into the playoffs. Yeah, that might be true for like three years until the but recruiting. You're guessing that, <laughs> but but I'm There's saying it's all assumptions. I'm saying I I I am fairly confident that yes, Alabama and Ohio State. If there was a 12 team playoff now, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State would thoroughly crush every other team in a 12-team playoff now. But that is a result of them being in every single playoff and getting an exponentially higher blue-chip ratio yeah. than any of yeah. these other schools. So what it's, you it's have It's a failed to system do, succeeding, yeah. What you have to do is expand it to 12, let Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State beat the hell out of these other teams for three or four years until those other contending teams, blue chip ratios catch up Um, because that's what we have to do right now is we have to expand the opportunity in order to give other schools a chance to get some of these players who just want to be in the playoffs on the highest stage playing for an NFL factory school. So my last question for you, but I do, I do agree. My last question okay. for you as we can close this out. My last question. Will Kansas win a game? Oh, who's on the schedule? We got to see this. South Dakota at Coastal. Baylor at Duke. God, Duke's bad. That Please don't watch that oh, game. Duke. Uh, everyone watching. Kansas, Kansas Duke, Duke is the oh my God, Bowl don't. of the year. That is the worst <laughs> game of the it's college worse South football Dakota. season. It's worse than South Dakota. It's so it's, much worse. <laughs> Then oh, at Iowa State, not Texas game, Tech, no. OU, at Oklahoma State, Kansas State, at Texas, maybe, at TCU, I wish we won't make that joke, and then West Virginia at home. Okay, I think they <laughs> could beat South Dakota. And I say that knowing nothing about South Dakota. So that's the only reason I say that, because every other game on this schedule is a loss. The thing is, though, I think they actually did play before, if I'm not mistaken. It was – um, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. It was Kansas State played South Dakota, and Kansas State won by like three, like two years ago. I was thinking it was them. Never mind. But remember, Kansas lost to Nickel State. What was it, like two years ago, last yep. year or something? So, I mean, they don't they, – they are not afraid. Kansas is not afraid to lose They're, They'll uh, play anyone no – but... I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. <laughs> they'll lose to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And, <laughs> oh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to uh, a, a marathon of a podcast. These previews are never short. Uh I am going to go get some dinner uh, after this. I am very hungry, uh, personally. Just a little I'm as well. I didn't eat fun fact. Uh, so we're going to go uh, fuel our bodies. Um, we will be back next week. I am out all weekend. Um, so we will be back next week. We are going to try uh, to record these on Wednesday. Um pretty consistently that seems to be the best time uh for both of our schedules which can tend to be pretty pretty sporadic 
um, with just yeah. the nature of our jobs. Um, but until then, I am Noah Parker. And I'm Jack Wallace. Peace out, Peace y'all. Peace out, y'all.